Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We're going to be looking some in chapter 2 and chapter 3. You know, about 40 years ago, when we came to the Columbus area, we were getting uh, adjusted to bigger city life because I'd come from Baxley, Georgia, which was much, much smaller, and uh, realized that I had to have some uh, uh, renewal of my tags or license or something like that. And uh, I asked where you uh, went to do that, and they said, uh, you know, down at the government center. And I asked where that was, and it was explained to me. And I had heard people talking about the government center. It was too uh, fancy, it cost too much money and everything like that. But when I got down there, I was rather impressed with that uh, place. And obviously it's been pretty good because it's been there over 40 years now. And so uh, I didn't know where to go to get my license renewed or the tags. I, I don't forget exactly, I don't remember exactly which. But uh, I looked on the index there in the room by the lower elevator, and uh, it gave me those different uh, numbers of the departments. And uh, my problem was I didn't know where I was. And so I looked more closely, and it had at the bottom of that index, you are here. And when I discovered exactly where I was, it wasn't too much difficulty getting to where I needed to be. Uh, so that's what I want us to do today, not on the basis of man's classification, uh, but on the basis of God's classification system. I'd like for you to be reminded exactly where you fit, where you are. Some of you will remember the great uh, Dr. R.G. Lee, who was pastor for many years in Bellevue Baptist Church, same church Adrian Rogers that many of you followed uh, was pastor of. And Dr. Lee at that time was called among Southern Baptist preachers the prince of uh, Southern Baptist preachers. And he did, he was a marvelous preacher. He was a very intellectual man and he always preached to heaven sweet, hell hot, and Jesus saves. And uh, he would always really give it to you. And one day he had... Uh, especially uh, delivered an excoriating sermon on sin. And uh, as he was standing at the door shaking hands, one lady came out and she said, Dr. Lee, I'll have you know I didn't appreciate that message. He said, and neither did the devil, lady. Classify yourself. <laughs> so let's do that today. Let's classify ourselves. Now, <clears throat> I believe that you'll find that God doesn't look upon us as black or white, rich or poor, educated, uneducated. God looks upon us in one of three ways. And we'll cover those in these two chapters. Uh, he looks upon us as natural or as spiritual or as carnal. So allow his word to help you classify yourself. In uh, chapter 2, verse 14, we read, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, a pithy way of saying uh, about the natural man to describe him is 
The natural man just does that which comes naturally. And I think that there are three basic characteristics to the nature of the natural man. For one thing, he is born into a natural world. And uh, nature may have formed him. Societies may have tried to reform him. But only Christ can transform him because he is born in a natural world and born in a very fallen world. But not only is he born in a natural world, he is also blind to the spiritual world. Now, a lost man can come in a service like this. He can look around, oh, the beautiful stained glass windows. Man, that choir could really sing. And uh, he could say, look at those people, the way they give their money. He can appreciate things, but he can't appreciate spiritual things. And when the time for God's word comes to be expounded and the preacher gets up to talk about it, this kind of man, though he may be intellectually brilliant and very well educated, he can't understand as much as a nine-year-old little girl who's trusted Jesus as a savior because he is not able to spiritually discern. Now, not only is he bound to a natural world, and not only is he blind to the spiritual world, but he is bound to the material world. You know, uh, it's amazing how things control us. Things really get hold of a lot of Christian people, and if you're not careful to keep yourself honed or sharpened with the Word of God and praying to Him each day, you can be sucked into this same trap that so many are in our day and time. And you know, in our uh, country, most uh, everybody who's out there in the lost world thinks everybody has a price, and they're basically saying, what's yours? And they see the politician's price. They even see a lot of preachers' price, which sad to say is not too good anymore in our society in a general way. Uh, But people today in America, they sort of live a dog's life. You ever thought about it? Dogs have it made in America, don't they? They really do. They don't have to work. Somebody else feeds them. Somebody else gives them uh, a shelter. Sounds like an administration I know about, don't you? And uh, I mean, uh, that's just a pretty good life. You, you get a dog, you give him something to eat, a place to sleep, and uh, give him a little fulfillment, let him catch a cat every once in a while, and he is very fulfilled. And uh, there are a lot of people who are that way in our society today. If, if they think they've got a place to stay, if they think they've got something to eat, and maybe a few friends that give them a little bit of fulfillment, they, uh, they think that they're all right. So uh, that's the way it is with the natural man. He is born into a natural world, he's blind to the spiritual world, and he's bound to the material world. The natural man, obviously, is the lost man. He may be a good citizen. He may be a good neighbor. He may be a person who's morally upright and does honest things. But if he doesn't know Jesus, he's lost. And the Bible calls him the natural man. But move on 
And uh, you see the second classification there in chapter 2, verse 15. But he that is spiritual judges or either discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned of no man. Now, we said that natural man uh, does that which comes naturally, so the spiritual person does that which comes supernaturally. And uh, there are several characteristics to the spiritual man as well. For one thing, he does live by the Spirit of God. Verse 12 says, We receive not the Spirit of the world, the Spirit which of God, that we might know the things given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, the spiritual man then lives by the direction of the Spirit of God. And whatever you say about him, he at least knows this. He knows Christianity is not a creed. Christianity is not a cause. He knows that Christianity is uh, not just a church, but he knows that Christianity is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And folks, if you really want to boil things down to it, that's exactly what the bottom line is. Christ in us. And that's our hope, that's our refuge, that's our direction, that's our strength, that's our very purpose. So, the uh, spiritual man lives by the Spirit. Now, he also learns from the Spirit. Have you discovered that there are a lot of very important things that you don't learn in school? And I'm not against school. I spent most of my life in it. I spent those 12 years, you know, getting out of high school. Then I spent four years in college. Then I spent four years in seminary. And then I spent two years in graduate school over in Yonsei University in Seoul, Korea. And you might say, I've been very interested in school. School's been a very real part of me. But I would confess that the more important things that I've learned in life didn't come out of the classroom. The more important things in life have come out of the experience of just living and interacting with people and out of the real uh, relationship to God. So, um, did you realize that a person can come in a service like this? They can be as lost as lost can be. They can hear the singing of the gospel. They can hear the preaching of the gospel and the spirit move upon them. And they will become instantly spiritual. But you know what? Spiritual maturity is something else. You don't get spiritual maturity instantly. You get it over a period of years. Let me read you what Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says. I have a man that I've been witnessing to for several years. And uh, yesterday he and I I had uh, dinner together. And uh, I was trying to get him. He, he, he wants God. He believes God. He believes the Bible, he says. But he doesn't believe that Jesus is God. And he's very rational. has a very good mind. Just as smart as anybody I've uh, basically ever known. But uh, I said to him, you know, there's a difference becoming spiritual and acquiring spiritual maturity. 
chapter 5, verse 14 says, Strong meat belongs to those who are full age, even those who are, uh, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So how do you get Christian maturity? You take God's uh, word and you apply it. You take God's word and you apply it. You take God's word and you apply it. And you apply it and you apply it. And somewhere down the line, you come to a degree of Christian maturity. Now, folks, that's what we need in our particular lives. We need Christian maturity. So, the, uh, the uh, spiritual man lives by the Spirit, learns from the Spirit, and uh, he also is liberated by the Spirit. Now, God's Word says, you continue in my Word, you'll know the truth, and truth will do what? It'll set you free. And the free, a liberated person, who is, is the one who's been liberated by God? Now, you know, uh, it's an interesting word that uh, he uses there in that scripture when he said uh, that uh, those, those truths are spiritually discerned. Discern is a word that means to examine something in prospect. Now, I don't go to the grocery store much, uh, maybe three or four times a year. I'll leave that up to my wife. But... Uh, I was in the grocery store last week, almost fainted the way prices had gone up in there. Had no idea how much they had gone up. But I, I always noticed when I was doing some shopping, especially if I was to pick up some fruit or something from a wife, you'd, you'd usually see some woman over there, basket right by her, and she'd be maybe in the grapefruit bin, and you'd see her reach down, pick those up, and sort of squeeze one, and then... Put maybe one or two back then the bin, then put some in her cart. So I just figured that's the way you bought them. When I go in, I get them in one hand, get them in the other. Then after I put one of them in the cart. But actually we know that they were making a discerning, a discerning choice. Because I don't know if they wanted it uh, more firm, more ripe, or a little bigger, a little smaller, whatever. Uh, they made discernment. Now, God gives us the ability to make discernment. But he does that through the power of his spirit. And if you don't have the spirit operating in you, or you're not listening to the spirit, you've uh, put the spirit down so many times you become dull to it, you can get in some real trouble. You know, uh, he mentioned a while ago about Charles Hunt being in the Vietnam War and those were terrible years back there in, in the 60s. Uh, I, was, I spent most of my time in Korea back then. And uh, when we left, America was basically a pretty conservative country. Four years later, we came uh, home on a furlough. And uh, it was so sad. You know, there was, the rock culture had emerged. And uh, young people were leaving their homes, getting on drugs, hitting the streets. Hair was coming long, wearing filthy clothes, and uh, uh, just some terrible things happening. Uh, and, you know, we were sort of in culture shock when we got back. 
I remember when we were getting on the plane to leave Seoul, Korea, I'd gotten all my children buckled down and, and uh, I had something to put in the bin overhead and I reached up to do it and the two ladies sitting behind me, I was shocked. I didn't think they had any clothes on. They had miniskirts. Because while we were gone, hair had come down with the men and skirts had gone up with the women. And uh, it, it was really something else. Now, among those many youngsters who were hitting the streets and getting involved in drugs was the son of uh, a very fine uh, man and woman who were good, upright citizens in their community. They went to church. Uh, they paid their bills. He had a successful business. But their son left. He left it all. And, you know, they tried to catch up with him and once in a while they'd make contact with him they would plead with him son get away from this come on back we, you, you've got a good place here mom now we'll help you get a good job but he wouldn't do it and one night he was in a rock concert <clears throat> he was sitting there and the clouds of marijuana smoke was just engulfing everything and, and uh, they were getting higher and higher on the music and on the marijuana and uh a little group of Christians uh, down to, toward the side of the huge park where they were meeting got together and were playing their guitars and singing some Christian songs and giving some testimonies. And this boy was sitting with a group of his friends and they were mocking them and laughing at them. Suddenly, Something began to tug on this youngster's heart. And he went up closer. And some of the people in the group were discerning enough to notice that God was speaking to this boy. And after they got through singing, they, they got him to come over. And they shared with him. And he came to know Christ. First thing they advised him to do was to go back home and to ask his mom and dad's forgiveness. And he did. And I'm telling you, his mother and daddy were elated. They were so glad to see their son again. So glad to have him back home. So glad to see him cut his hair. And it made him a little nervous. He's always saying, praise the Lord. Uh, God's will this and God's will that but they could put up with that just to have their son there it made them nervous when they'd go out to eat and he'd want to pray in public of all things and uh, so the months passed and he got uh, back into school and they were so happy and uh, one evening just an hour or so after dad had come home they heard him hit the steps and you moms and dads know how good it is to hear your children hit those steps. You know they're safe and you know you'll get to see them again. And he came in, Mom, Dad. They came rushing up thinking something was wrong. He said, Mom, Dad, something wonderful has happened. And they said, well, what is it, son? What is it, son? He looked up and he said, Mom, Dad, God has called me to be a preacher. Uh, a, a son, 
we were hoping you were going to come into business with Dad. You know what the problem was? There was now a twice-born person living in a family of once-born people. And folks, when you really do meet him, he frees you. He frees you to be the kind of person that he wants you to be. I know that in the average church today, if a person gets filled with the Spirit, he has to backslide to be in fellowship with the rest of the church membership. But that's not what God wants it to be. That's not what it ought to be. So, uh, we have then the natural man does that which comes naturally, the spiritual man that does that which uh, comes supernaturally. And now let's look for a moment at the carnal man. Look in chapter 3 this time. Verse 1, we'll begin. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with meat. Hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are you able. For you are yet carnal. For where is this among you envy and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? One says, I'm of Paul. Another, well, I'm of Apollos. Aren't you carnal? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, we said that the natural man does that which comes naturally. The spiritual man does that which comes supernaturally. And the carnal man does that which comes unnaturally. And there are several characteristics to this classification as well. First of all, the carnal person is spiritually deformed. He's saved, but he's defeated. He's got too much of God in him to be at home here in the world. He's got too much of the world in him to be at home with the people of God. He's good Lord here, poor devil here. He's being pulled in both directions And God said, you can't do that. I'll spew you out of my mouth if that happens to be the case. This person is saved, but he is defeated. You know, uh, I grew up in a little town, uh, Oxford, Alabama. had about 2,000 people in its population in those days. But, you know, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Everybody seemed to care about each other and help you sort of get along. And uh, uh, in our town, we had an unusual character uh, whose name was Lane Threat. And uh, people teased him, loved him, uh, liked to be around him. You remember in those days you could get in a bottle, not in a can, 12-ounce RC Cola or Pepsi Cola, 12 ounces. And this guy could turn it up and drink it in one serving, never put it down. And people all over town would buy him RCs or Pepsis, just see him kill it, as we call it. And uh, uh, this guy was strong as a mule. He weighed 240 pounds, he was six foot two, and he was strong as everything. I had a paper out in those days, had 135 customers on it. 
And on Thursdays when they put the advertisements and Sundays, it, it was so thick you couldn't carry them all. So I employed Lane Thweet to help me. And uh, what he would do, he'd have one bundle in this arm, one in this arm, and go along. And I'd just reach them, you know, fold them and throw them up there. And uh, paid him 35 cents a week to do that. Uh, so uh, Lane was a, he was a likable guy. And he would even dress out with a football team. Football team run out on the field to the cheers of the people. Uh, old Lane would be right behind them all dressed up. Oh, everybody would call him across, Kilroy, how you doing? Lane, Tweet, hey Tweet, how you doing today? And you know what? His family appreciated that so very much. But the, but the problem was, here was a 32-year-old man who had the mind of an 11-year-old. Now, they loved him, and they appreciated how good everybody was to him, but they would rather him have been a normal person. And I want to tell you, God loves you. He loves you in your rebellion. He loves you in the sin. But God would rather you be his norm. His norm is that you be walking with Jesus in the power of the Spirit. But the carnal man is not only spiritually deformed, he's also spiritually dependent. Uh, you know, uh, when you begin, I was talking to uh, uh, one of our ladies from Edgewood yesterday, who's in the hospital, and uh, we were talking about grandchildren. Now, when you get in that period of life where you have grandchildren, you know, uh, uh, you, you like to talk to other uh, grandparents because you can both brag on your children without any offense there. Uh, some of you remember Jean Williams, who was a member of this church for many years, a precious person. She wanted a grandbaby so bad she didn't know what to do. And finally, she got one. And every time you'd see her, she'd be talking about her granddaughter and showing you pictures. And one night I was coming to prayer meeting here. <coughs> got out there in the vestibule, and Jean saw me. She had some pictures in. Brother David, have I shown you the new pictures of my grandbaby? I said, no, you haven't, Jean, and I sure do appreciate it. <laughs> I think she never forgave me for saying that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when we got our first grandchildren, they were twins. And, uh, you know, we had raised five, and my wife was very well acquainted with how to raise children. And, uh, but we were sort of like starting over, you know, uh, with those grandboys, uh, I remember the first time we kept them while uh, their parents were away. And uh, we, we had one grand, uh, we had one high chair and we went out and uh, secured another one so both of them could have a place to sit. And I remember Carol would fix their food and then she would feed it very carefully to them. And then uh, sometimes she would leave a little on their tray for them and they'd try to get it. Some of it go in their hair and some of it in their face, you know as little folks are. And we know that in the normal order of things, first of all, a person has to be fed, and then he learns to feed himself, and then he's able to feed someone else. And spiritually, it ought to be that way. First we, you know, uh, first we have to be fed. New Christian, somebody has to help us along. We get to, to growing as a Christian, then we can feed ourselves, and then we get to growing as we should, 
We can help minister to others. But you know the problem in most churches today? The preacher has to get up here and serve his folks at pre-digested scripture and then shake their hands as they're leaving at the door and let them burp because people today don't want to get in God's word and to grow for themselves. So God doesn't want you to be dependent. You can hear that dependent person. Well, you know, I've been, I've been out of church and nobody's come, called me. Or I was in the hospital and nobody even came to see me. Well, Buster, why don't you get out and call somebody else or go visit somebody yourself? That's the way it ought to be. But people who are spiritually dependent are always wanting to be served rather than to serve. Now, carnal man is spiritually deformed, spiritually dependent. And he is spiritually divisive. Did you catch that scripture? Where he said, uh, some people were saying, well, I follow Paul. Some say I follow Paulus. You can just hear him now. I love that Paul. He can really teach the word. And that's what they call you when you can't preach. You're a good teacher, you know. And uh, then uh, you can hear the others saying, I love the Paulus. He was a silver-tongued orator. Well, folks, let me tell you something. You better not rally around a man. You'll always be disappointed. If you rally around Christ, you'll never be let down. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. Now, sorry we've run over. I just wasn't paying attention to the time. Suppose I had in my hand a uh, gallon milk cart. And I had it filled. And uh, I try to make a point and I take that cart and I throw it as hard as I can right on those first pews. And it splashes and just goes all over the people in the next four or five pews. If I did that, what would get on those people? Whatever was in there. That's right. If it was water, it would get on it. If it was milk, it would get in it. Now let me close by saying this. Suppose you are running behind on getting to your doctor's appointment. Going to the doctor out there off the interstate. And as you're trying to get on the interstate, somebody is just out for their stroll or a little short ride to look at the scenery and you can't get them to get out of the way and then you get there and somebody's in the other lane and you're behind this slow poke in the first lane and you get so provoked at him and uh, you want to blow the horn or flash your lights or do what and then finally you know you're able to get around him and you're just so angry you say something he can't hear say something ugly to him so in those times when you get so distraught and so angry, what is going to come out of you? That which is in you, right? So go back to where we start. Classify yourself. Are you natural? That is, do you not know Christ as your Savior? Never humbled yourself, invited him in? Or 
are you carnal? You know Christ, but you've got the attitude that so many today have. I don't have to do what he tells me to do. I'll just run my life like I want. Or are you spiritual? Do you know him? Do you love him? And are you trying to follow him? Let's pray. So, Father, uh, through your spirit now, remind these people, most of whom are mature Christians. But, Lord, don't let us deceive ourselves as to what we think. You tell us where we are so we can move to where you want us to be. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to stand and sing several verses of an invitation.